Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. Tis the season to be jolly and convince yourself you need a new pair of runners even when the ones you have are grand. Let's not focus on that. Chances are, if you're a runner this Christmas or in the January sales, you will have the conversation with yourself or your significant other about whether spending 200 plus quid on a pair of super carbon plated shoes is something you or they need to do. Chances are you've read the articles, watched the review videos about how great a pair of carbon plated shoes are, but have you heard the no-nonsense opinion of former world champion and world record holder and still the greatest Irish distance runner of all time, Sonia Sullivan? Well, you've come to the right place. Today on Irishman Running Abroad, we're going to cast a critical eye over the super shoe trend and ask whether these shoes can or should be used for regular training. You see a lot of it around, you know, let's face it, people are plodding around the place in these things on their everyday runs. But we'll consider the durability of the shoes if you're going to shell out 200 big ones for a thing. Surely it should last longer than the shoes that are half the price. And why are they so expensive? Can anyone answer that question? We will get your take by going into the mailbag in our Strava Running Club. And Sonia picks the standout runs of the week as we go around the parishes. For our supporters on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad, there is a full extra 30 minutes in this episode, as is as there is every single week, including Sonia's tip of the week for one exercise she believes every runner can and should incorporate into their strength and conditioning. And if you're feeling like your running is in a bit of a rut, as many of us do at this time of year, I'll be asking Sonia, what is the answer to that? First of all, Sonia, you've made it to Australia. How does it feel to be back? Yeah, it's it's good to be back. And it was even even better to just be able to walk out of the airport with yeah. no police escort, no hotel quarantine and... Yeah, just come home. It was great. And that just changed kind of recently. Like you were saying it was going to be 72 hours quarantine. Yeah, there is still a 72 hour home quarantine in place. Okay. Which is kind of it's kind of a bit vague the whole thing because mm. they say home quarantine and and there, you know, there's every chance that someone's going to come knock on the door to check that you're here. Mm. Um, but yeah, then you, you've got to get a test on day one, but they don't really kind of tell you how to do that or you have to look it up. So today, I, you see, I think they don't come on day one because if they come, then you're obviously out getting your test, aren't you? So I was out driving around looking for my, where to get the COVID test and there was a queue was so long of cars that and it's so sunny and hot out that I thought we're not sitting in the car for mm. all this time <laughs> waiting <laughs> So then I decided to come home and I figured, well, I'll just go later. And, you know, worst case scenario, you go in the dark and because it was open until eight o'clock, even though that probably wouldn't be darker. <laughs> then. But um, so then I decided to look up, you know, was there anywhere close by that maybe I could walk to a place? And 
you know, it, it kind of contradicts the whole thing if you can do all this stuff. But <laughs> you're out and about looking the for the test. You're you're out in the community, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, you're not really meeting anyone or interact interacting with anybody. You know, I mean, you'd you'd hardly come within, you know, two meters of anyone when you're walking down the street. So yeah, I found a place, and you could actually book a time and then just go down. And so that made more sense to do that rather than sitting in the car. Yeah, all the, all the drongos sitting in their cars, not not realizing you can book it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like, why were they queuing in their cars? People bloody love queues. The queues for the booster. I'm obviously back in Ireland here, and uh, I mean, it was the most nerve wracking journey of my life. I was absolutely exhausted by the end of it. Just the way Omicron is set Britain ablaze. So why was it so exhausting? Did you have to do extra stuff or you just were trying to trying to stay away from people? <laughs> you know, it mainly it was the stress of it. You've got uh, a vulnerable yeah. wife and a very nervous son. I know a lot of Irish people abroad are envious of me getting to go back and I really do feel for you but the the hoops of fire that I had to jump through to to just avoid people and try and do it safely uh, so that you don't do what so many did who came back last year and infect people around you. We did it as safely as we could. And, you know, it was actually really, really stressful journey. But I want to give a big shout out to Sixth Rental Car who made the last part of it the most enjoyable i don't know if you've had that experience we've had this really tough journey and if the rental car experience is harder than the rest of it it really is the final kick in the teeth on the journey but sixth ireland made it absolutely joyous to jump in that car and know that we were finally going home for christmas so we're all tested and all cleared you have your results back Yes, yeah, so it must be sometime in the next twenty four hours, I'd say. Okay. So um, I have to wait for that, and then and then you have to get tested again on day five, between day five and day seven. Mm. Yeah, but like it's weird because you know for all the electronics, you know that we do, inputting stuff into our phones and you get automatic, you know, codes and different things. We just had to. It was nearly back to the old times of just writing on a piece of paper of, you know, where you were going to be and yeah. your phone number and email. And you just kind of thought, now that somebody else is going to have to input this into the computer somewhere. And, yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was, you know, it doesn't all make sense, the whole thing, the extremes that they were at and to go back to just kind of normal stuff. Oh, yeah, I know. We We had the same kind of thing where we had uploaded a load of forms and all kinds of scans of the different pieces and <laughs> you're at the Ryanair desk and they're going, give the men this slip of paper now. And it literally is a piece of paper with the number three written on it. You're like, this is crucial now, don't lose this. It all comes down to this little bit of biro on a page. It is kind of weird. I've got a, a, a tracking device in my pocket, but here's a... <laughs> Here's a piece on a post-it note, essentially, that's, you know, keeping the whole thing together. I'm very surprised to hear that's the way it is in Australia, considering how vigilant they were about keeping this thing out. You're back with the the family, though, and I saw you got out, out for the run. I mean, the post 
transatlantic or, you know, half the world flight away run must be a weird one, is it? Oh, it's the worst. I hate it. It's it's you kind of dread it. That first run off the plane, it's yeah, it's never nice. I mean, you know you're going to feel better for it afterwards, but you just feel like you got. It's like you're coming off a boat or something. You got jelly legs. Mm. They don't want to work properly, and you just know it's going to feel horrible. So you don't look forward to it, but you know you have to do it. So yeah, it was nice to get out and get that out of the way. And now hopefully I'll be feeling a bit better for the rest of the week. Well, as I said at the start of the show, I do feel this in the air among runners. And we will get to this later on in the show if people want to come over to Patreon to hear the kind of second half of our episode. That kind of sense of a rush probably has something to do with the bit of extra travel that people are doing, the extra bit of food and alcohol. I would love to get your advice on maybe a couple of sessions that you do to get yourself out of that feeling uh, of malaise, I guess is the best way to describe it. But we better get to our our super shoe topic today, because not too long ago, runners would line up at the start of races wearing very stripped back shoes. I looked at some kind of archive photos and really the priority back then was lightweight everything. The focus was on just enough cushioning to make sure that your legs didn't turn to dust. But pretty much everything was peeled back and sacrificed. Well, that all changed, as you guys probably know, with shoes stacking up higher and higher on the springiest foam the planet has to offer and the addition of an embedded carbon footplate. You can really go for a deep dive on the history of these shoes. For a while, Nike was the only show in town, but now virtually every brand has this technology and a resulting pair of super shoes in their line. Sonia, there's no doubt that these type of shoes have impacted on elite runners. But my first question to you is, does that necessarily mean people like me, slow runners or shufflers, can find any benefit in wearing them? But it's it's really surprising that so many people do wear these shoes. And you were talking about the cost of them before and why they were so expensive. And I think the reason they were so expensive is because they were so niche market and they were probably limited mm-hmm. availability when they first came out. And then they became so popular that, you know, if people are willing to pay the price, yeah. then... I suppose the price the price is going to stay high, and it doesn't seem to matter that you know there's more available now and there's more different shoe companies, so there's more competition. The prices are still quite high, and there's like they're definitely at a level above your regular running shoe, even though you know you're not going to run as many miles in these shoes, but you're probably going to run more faster miles in them mm. than any other shoe. Yeah, that price point has to be brought up. And you're right. We should talk about that to start with because you are you are easily looking at £250 sterling or even closer to the €300 Euro mark. I mean, you can, especially as rare as sometimes these things are extremely rare to find just to, as in they sell out quickly. I would give a tip as a sneakerhead to two apps if you're really struggling to find a pair for yourself the two apps that literally always have these shoes 
are the GOAT app, G-O-A-T, and StockX, which are essentially sneaker trading apps where you can sell your sneakers and used by collectors. But I was amazed to see the selection of these that were there in every size and color ever released. So you can really go back into the archives and find the originals if you really want them. And there, there's no doubt about it, there is reductions to be found. I find that price point to be a big turnoff because, as you say, they're producing so many of them that now the economy of scale must mean it's costing them less and less to make them. And there's a little bit of opportunistic kind of price gouging going on. There is, but then you also do have to be careful because it's been known that there's been a few fakes out there and people have bought them online thinking they're getting a a bargain and they're not quite the right thing. So, you know, that's where it comes down to, you know, are you willing to take the risk of buying these shoes online and hoping you get the real thing or are you getting some kind of a a ripoff? Yeah, and (laughs) I do. that's why I do recommend those two apps specifically because unlike somewhere like eBay, where you are kind of trusting Johnny Shamgod 69 in Yeovil in England (laughs) (laughs) with StockX and Goat. All of the shoes get passed through Goat itself. They get to inspect and ensure that they are legit because fakes are a big problem for every kind of sneaker out there. And I'd imagine that the higher the price, the easier the uh, temptation is for fake merchants to go for it but my question about whether you know us normies or new people who are now going i've done a year of running god wouldn't it be great if i had the super shoes who knows what times i'd run then what's the general consensus or what are you hearing in relation to slower runners wearing these things well, what what do you think is slow? What would you consider a slower runner? Yeah, like, well, that that's the $64,000 question, isn't it? It's like everything's relative. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, between three and four hours, they're probably helping you. I mean, if you're running slower than four hours, then you probably don't need them. <laughs> mm. I hope that's not um, insulting anybody now, but I I really don't think, you know, that if you're running at that pace and that's your best pace, then I think you're out there for such a long time that the the more you're at a greater risk of getting injured from wearing these shoes than you would be, you know, wearing probably more traditional running shoes, which, you know, typically if you're running slower than three hours, yeah, you wouldn't be wearing you know, the, the really light shoes that we used to wear in the 90s the kind of, and before that and probably up until the 2000s, up to 2016. The really light slipper type shoes, people wouldn't wear them because they'd be thinking, oh, no, they're way too light. I don't need to wear them. Mm. So it's kind of similar with these super shoes is that do you really need to wear them? And is the benefit that great? But I suppose if you see some of your training partners, club mates, friends wearing them and they're running way faster than they used to run, then, of course, you're going to think, oh, I've got to get a pair of these because you want to keep up and it, you don't want to be left they, behind. And so so then it's all relative. 
Yeah, and they look like something somebody who's a slower runner would think this will help, right? It's got a big, big chunk of cushioning there. So uh, slower runners will tend to have kind of sore shins and knees from the pounding. Uh, and they think this is this is the answer. More and more foam under my foot. But can you explain to me why that these aren't max cushioning shoes? They're actually racing shoes. I'm not really clear on that. And I'd also like to know, is that why some of them are so slim fitting? Like one of the biggest complaints is, and one of the first complaints was, these things are so skinny. They said, if you've got a wide foot, they're not for you. Well, I think it depends. I mean, they're they're definitely they're not as skinny as the the racing flats or spikes mm. of you know previous years. They're definitely streamlined, and you know it's kind of I suppose if you're going to go out there and run fast, and whether that's in a training session or in a race, you're going to kind of trim down you know any kind of um, loose loose clothing that you're wearing, so you feel better if your shoes are a bit more streamlined as well, right. and they don't feel like clunky kind of shoes you know that you would wear on your regular long runs so yeah there there is a thing about i suppose having the special shoes for a race that you're you're putting on your race shoe your race day shoes Mm. and it doesn't matter you know what pace you're running you're going out there to put in your best effort so you know everything you you can have that will give you an advantage whether that's mentally or physically then you're going to do it if you can and if you believe that it's it's going to help you out um i suppose that it is a bit extreme the shoes for someone who's just doing this for fun and for fitness and for you know health benefits that you know an extra few minutes is going to make them feel that much better but it does i mean and and it it just goes to show that, you know, we all, we're all competitive with ourselves and our own ability. And, you know, as you get older, you slow down, but then you still want to be the best that you are at this time and to hold on to that as much as possible. No pain, no gain is false. Athletes have learned this. But do these lessons from the top scale down to folks like us with some training ambitions but limited time the answer is yes absolutely look it does come back to the thought in my head which is the Tina's of the world Tina my wife will say you spent all that money on those runners and now you never wear them I mean that's (laughs) going to get said by the partners in this world who go you're telling me that you made me buy you those for Christmas and they sit in that bag. They don't have a scrap of dirt on them. You wore them once for the 5K and once again to try them out. It's a shoe for a special occasion. Is that what you're telling me? And that when you when you buy them, essentially you're going, you are my precious shoes. I'm not going to log miles in you unless I've got a fancy t-shirt that I was given for doing this race. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I suppose it's a bit like, you know, we have special things that we bring out for Christmas. But they're special, so, but Sonia, they're so know, expensive. Plates and, 
like I'm just like I can't wrap my head around that I, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off there but like this is the question at the top of the show is that you would think if I'm spending that much that it should be last longer be better and more useful but it's not but they do last a long time if you look after them like I have I have these next percent shoes <laughs> I mean, I have a pair here in Australia, and yeah. I have a pair in London. I have a pair in Amer- a pair in America, and a pair in Ireland. Right. These are going to last, and so they're going to last a long time because I'm only spending a certain amount of time in each place, and I only wear them, you know, probably once or twice a month. So the mileage that's going on them and I'm hope that you know they don't get worn out sitting in the cupboard because that's a bit of a fear is that you know when you have things and they're in the cupboard that they they wear out as well but yeah I'm going on the basis that that they don't and I you know if if for some reason I have to wear them you know in the kind of winter months and they get a bit dirty or muddy then I straight away rinse them under the tap and dry them before putting them away and I put them away in their little bag you know so <laughs> they come with a little bag there's a bag maybe you know, that's the most... what the that's what the extra money is oh. for it's the bag oh wait till you see the bag you will absolutely love the bag <laughs> this special shoe bag <laughs> well, like, here's and a... you only use the bag for the shoes yeah of course yeah no you'll never ever go to the shops with the bag I'm sure but you know here's here's some reviews that I'm I'm reading here and I do and, and they do lead to a question you know do so here's one that I've just pulled up. These shoes are incredible. I purchased these to help manage my painful foot diagnosis. Halux Limitus. You really know you're a runner when you've got some Greek name <laughs> for what's wrong with your foot. Caused by 15 years of playing competitive tennis, which had destroyed my big toe joints. The carbon fiber technology in these shoes provide the protection for toe joints needed to allow me to still run and walk long distances. These shoes are superior to all hokas I've purchased in the past. Very happy with these and highly recommend to anybody whose doctor prescribes stiff toe carbon fiber shoes for joint pain. Now, have you heard much about that? Because this is another question that listeners are going to have is, there's some talk that these are the shoes to have if you suffer with joint pain they can they can help you they can and i had a similar experience i went to see my physiotherapist here in australia early in this year before i went traveling around the world and um you know i had this big fear that there was something you know major going to be wrong with me and i'd have to stop running for a while but no it was just a a joint that you know gets it's not very happy all the time so yeah. you just have to manage it and look after it and she recommended that i wear carbon plated shoes more often than not so she wanted me to wear them for my regular runs as well wow now i don't really have any that i wear for the regular runs because i just nike i don't know if they have many that are actually for regular runs outside of the racing shoes there there is some but I don't really like them that much, so I suppose I'm limited in choice. But the other thing with these carbon-plated shoes is that if you wear any kind of orthotics or insoles in your shoes, then 
you're less likely able to wear the carbon plated shoes when you wear the orthotics because then you're doubling up on the support and the inflexibility. So then you've got double inflexibility in your shoe, which is kind of awkward and it's not a very nice feeling. So that's the kind of compromise that I have to make is mm. that why I only wear them for sh- you know short amounts of time is because I feel more comfortable with my orthotics and my shoes and it's just a kind of a comfort reason that I do that. But yet I can get away with wearing them without the orthotics for short amounts of time. So I'm sure there must be people out there in a similar situation who wear orthotics who you can't really take the insoles out of the carbon plated shoes. And even and because they're that bit more narrower and streamlined, it's very difficult to put any insoles or inserts in, even if you wanted to. So, you know, they're, they're so inflexible, the shoes that they, you know, if you've got a wonky toe or ankle joint or some other foot joint, it just kind of stabilizes it and prevents any movement when you're running along. So it basically keeps the foot in a straight, it's just kind of, it's nearly like a a block when you land down. It just stays, it doesn't, it's not flexible. So it's probably in the long term, not very good for your foot to be in these shoes for a long time because it just stiffens up the whole foot Mm. and stop it. So then all the movement in the feet, if you're not doing that when you've got no shoes on, then your foot is going to become so inflexible that it has to give you problems down the track. Yeah, there's, I there's re- no doubt about it. I really think that if you are tuning in today to go, well, I have these issues and I wonder, are super shoes the answer for me? I reckon, Sonia, they need to go and talk to their chiropodist or physio to talk it through certainly an expert everybody's different so you'll definitely need to talk to somebody rather than just you know doctor google it or doctor podcast it porig mccolgan got a shout out on the show last week uh, you may remember out in japan running great park runs out there and it appears sonia that the super shoes <laughs> have a role to play i put up in the group that we're doing this episode And he says, I got a pair of Nike Superflies in the summer and I only use them for races. I have seen three parkrun PBs in the last month and my best 10K in nine years. Now, Porig's obviously putting in the hours. There's no question your shoes are not going to do it for you. (laughs) It's like the old Air Jordan commercial. It's not the shoes. They're definitely worth the money, though, according to Porig, but save them for the special occasions, like you say, Sonia. I do want to ask uh, in the second half of the show a bit about what the athletes you coach think of them and what is the discussion that goes on there. But we need to go around the parishes to have a look at who has had the standout runs this week in the Irishman running abroad running club on Strava. You can join the club very easily. Strava.com forward slash clubs forward slash Irishman running abroad or just search Irishman running abroad on Strava and uh, those will it'll those will jump out to you 
I want to give a shout out to start off to uh, Miriam Kinsella out in Bray up at the crack of dawn today. And we all know that that is exceptionally hard to do at this time of the year. Miriam did her own run in the dark, uh, a very respectable time along uh, the coast there at Bray. And I know it's not like going to you know set the world on fire these times, but I just thought, Miriam, fair play to you for getting up and out at that hour of the morning. Not an easy thing to do. Was there a run that stood out to you, Sonia, this week? Yeah, I've got a, a bit of a functional run here, I think. Um, Finn Quill in Manhattan, New York. Very good. And he did an afternoon an afternoon run, and he called it an MAF run. Now I'm not sure what MAF is, but <laughs> he was running to trade to Trader Joe's. <laughs> you you obviously know what it means. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. He, he was running. I, to I have no Trader, clue what it means, but Trader I just hope Joe's it's not wine rude. Store. <laughs> <laughs> To the Trader Joe's wine store for his mulled wine recipe, which, you know, that sounds very functional to go and pick up, you know, something special. You'd have good motivation to go there. It was a bit chilly out there. I think four degrees, but feels like two. (laughs) And um, yeah, I hope he's enjoying his um, mulled wine this evening. Good man, Finn. Finn Quill. Finn is always in touch on the the Strava. And I have to say... uh, Again, the support of that community this year, Sonia, really has got me through that injury time. And I have to say, some of the, just the sound, it's one of the soundest social media platforms in that everybody's there for the same reason and nobody is being snidey. There's no sarcasm. It seems to be a sarcasm, a negativity-free zone. And maybe I do sound like a Strava bore when I say that, but that's my truth, that I'm not sure how well all of this would have gone were it not for the members of the Irishman Running Abroad Club there. Uh, So thank you all this year for your support there. I did want to ask, Sonia, are you a a mulled wine fan? Is mulled wine a thing that you do in Australia when it's 32 degrees outside? (laughs) Do you heat up your wine? Um... (laughs) Uh, well, I always kind of have notions of doing it, and I, I have all the mulled wine sachets and mixtures to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I think when I'm in Australia, I bring it bring it all here with me and um, plan to do things like that, but rarely get around to it. I, I definitely think that's more of a you know dark, cold night thing to look forward to, and yeah, yeah. I think we're more onto the cold, cold drinks here yeah. at this time of the year. So, as well as, I suppose, giving a shout out to anybody who runs in Kildare early in the morning, has got to be, you know, given a shout out to because it's the coldest place on earth. I don't know if you <laughs> realise this, Charlotte, but the, the other morning I was driving to the airport. I was driving, I was being driven to the airport from Cove and it was about eight or nine degrees when I left Cove. And, you know, it was not a bad morning. <laughs> and as soon as we hit Kildare, the temperature started plummeting in the car. It was unbelievable. It went down to zero degrees. It dropped eight degrees entering Kildare. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> and stayed and stayed that way until we were in Dublin. And it, then it's it, mad. You know, st- and I thought that was just 
you know, it's like it's the coldest spot <laughs> in the country. And we're driving through the Curra and you could see the, you know, the fog kind of just hovering above the grass. And it looked amazing. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. You need it, to be wrapped up if you're going out for a run there early in the morning. It is, ama- it is amazing. I have to say the, that morning fog, like I have so many memories of my father with the horses out there and that beautiful kind of sunrise that you see on the Curra. It was obviously the reason why the Curra is so flat is because it was a glacial plain back in the day. That's uh, So it was probably suited. I don't know if that is the reason why it's still cold there, but oh Lord, you have no idea. Cycling across the Curra to school <laughs> with that wind battering you in the face. <laughs> I mean... I know, I know. I remember like peeling my hands off the handlebars when I got to Newbridge and not able to feel them. They were just part of the bike now. So I've definitely had that experience and I've even had the experience of getting onto that stretch of road and suddenly hitting ice and the car fully spinning, like fully 360 degrees spinning on me with Tina screaming and somehow not crashing <laughs> we kept going in a straight line but who do you have one more person to shout out do you so yeah i had one more person and i was attracted to this run here because they've put up some beautiful pictures in the snow so i imagine it must be pretty chilly there too in toronto in canada and it's this person called teja or teja maybe it's t-e with a little thing on it yeah and j-a and yesterday they ran 19.2 kilometers, which is possibly a more rounded number in miles because <laughs> this seems to happen a lot in here. We have some of our members are running and recording their runs in miles, yep. whereas we're in kilometers. But if you have your own Strava in kilometers, then other people's all comes up as kilometers too. Shout out to Bernard um, so slowly. Was... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. Point who pulled us up on that point that we <laughs> yeah. were a bit too focused on the kilometers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I can actually go both ways. <laughs> like when I was running, when I was running, um, training properly, you know, for Olympics and World Championships in the nineties in Ireland and then in America and in Teddington in England, everything was in miles, and I understood miles all the time. And then just converted over to kilometers when I was a bit slower. So I understand kilometers in a slow mindset, and I think I understand miles <laughs> in the faster miles yeah. mindset. Yeah. So um, yeah, a big shout out to Tejeder who did a course at Pied Matinal. So nice. what, I don't know. It's, so it must be French speaking. Whatever is it? running course he did. Yeah. It must be, yeah. But anyway, beautiful pictures, and I'm sure it was an enjoyable run in the snow, but the sun was shining. Final shout out to Michelle Guiney in uh, Newbridge, my hometown of Newbridge. I'd have to say Newbridge is my hometown. I, I grew up on the Curra, which is obviously brilliant running territory, and I'm hoping to get down there for a run at some point over this day in Ireland. But Michelle Guiney is another person who was up bright and early and running a great little pace there for five and a half kilometers around Newbridge town shout out to Michelle and for all her support throughout the year if you want to get one of your friends a shout out in the around the parishes section of the show it's easy to do all you've got to do is 
tag uh, me or Sonia under their run in the comments and we'll screen grab it and make sure to give it a shout out here. We'll be back after the break on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad with more from Sonia. And as I said, if you're experiencing that running rut, you probably want to pop over there. We're also going to look at the kind of workaround for the carbon footplate shoe. Now, I've mentioned this a couple of times that you don't have to spend 200, 300 euros on these shoes that there is a strange little workaround that Sonia and I explored with victory insoles. If your algorithm knows you at all, they've probably suggested to you carbon-plated insoles. Well, after the break, and over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad, Sonia and I are going to compare our experiences in these insoles. We'll talk to you after the break. Brian Connolly's on sound, Tina and Mikey make it all possible. Happy Christmas, everybody. Why not treat yourself and support the Irishman abroad this Christmas? One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress. 